So most of the time, um, I like to start off a message with, you know, maybe a funny story or something along those lines. I'm not going to do that today because the topic that we are talking about today is something that really does weigh pretty heavy on, on my heart because we're going to come back. If you are with us last week, we talked about the importance of submitting to spiritual authority and I kept saying over and over again, but next week we get to talk about what type of spiritual authority to submit to and that's really, really important. And as I've been thinking through that and just preparing for the message this week, my, my heart is a little bit heavy because we see examples of those in positions of spiritual authority where that authority is misused. Or um, in some cases, um, really, people are harmed very seriously from it. And, and I think about 1 Corinthians 10, 12, which says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And I'm ultra aware of coming to a message like this and talking about what we should look for and what those in positions like mine, what kind of character should be demonstrated. I'm ultra aware of the fact that I'm not above temptation, uh, that I'm certainly not removing myself to say, you know, this is the problem that others may have that doesn't apply to me. No, I, I'm very susceptible just as every one of us is, and I'm aware, in fact, God's been dealing with me about some sin in my own life, some issues of, of selfishness and, and arrogance and some things that he's really um, working with me through. And, and so I come to this message with a deep sense of the importance of it because it is, it is a vital message for us to hear and know and, and understand. And at the same time, there's that balance of... Um, you know, certainly not uh, one that, would, that, that could say, oh, this is somebody else's problem. And so um, those in the position of being given spiritual authority, uh, we've seen that abused in, in a lot of different ways. We've heard stories. Uh, we sometimes see that uh, in, you know, one, one of them that seems to come out frequently you hear stories of sexual abuse or sexual misconduct, and that just seems to be a theme that comes out regularly, and a lot of times those things aren't discovered you know, until many, many years later after there have been many, many victims. Or other times, maybe it's um, just really kind of an abuse of power. Maybe it's somebody in a position of spiritual authority kind of taking the, the position of speaking almost for God, you know, and this is what you should do. I was talking with one of our uh, members of our church this week, and we were just kind of talking through this, and I was asking the question, hey, help me brainstorm what this looks like, and, and uh, she sent me back an email and said, you know, this, I've been thinking about this, and, and an example of that, when her dad became a believer, the pastor of the church at the time, her dad was, she was a young child, her dad was an adult, obviously, and he said, you need to go to Bible church and become a pastor, and basically just said, this is what you should do. So he uprooted his family because the pastor said that's what you should do. Move to Bible church. And he was never called to ministry. And I think, you know, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it may be more of a, you know, truly a, a, an easily identifiable, you know, if there's a sexual abuse or sexual misconduct. But sometimes it's just using that authority to say this is what God wants you to do and really... Maybe that's not God's direction. And so uh, we're going to jump into all of that today. And uh, it, it is a challenge to, um, to, to, to uphold both sides. And that is that we should have high standards for those in positions of spiritual authority. We, we should. That's, that's biblical. We're going to talk about that. 
But the flip side to that is we should also extend grace and we should also realize that nobody is perfect. And so somehow we've got to find a balance there and we're going to strive toward that today and hopefully we can, uh, we can make some progress in that way. So what are the qualities then that we should be looking for in our spiritual leaders? In just a minute we're going to get into 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, read a few verses as Paul is instructing Timothy. But before we do that, this is a topic, I mean, really we could spend six, eight, maybe even ten weeks of an entire series. And we're not going to do that right now, talking about this. But let me just give you some, something to dig into on your own. If this is a topic that you would like to dive into further, let me encourage you to write down a couple of passages. And this is in the notes as well. If you're following along uh, the online notes that we have, it'll, it'll be in there. But uh, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13, and also Titus 1, 5 through 9. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13, Titus 1, 5 through 9 are the key passages where Paul is speaking to Timothy and to Titus. And he's um, giving them direction on who to look for to appoint, specifically in this case, appointing elders and deacons. But here's the thing I, w- I want us to look at, guys. These qualities should be something that we strive for. Every single follower of Christ should strive for these types of qualities. Whether you're in an official position of leadership or not, you should strive toward those. Because you do have spiritual leadership. Certainly if you're a parent, that's the place to begin. I mean, you have the opportunity to lead in your family. But even if you're not, you have opportunity to lead those around you. Maybe in a workplace or in your community or or extended family or whatever it may be. So these are things that we should all strive toward. I would encourage you to dig in on your own into those two passages, uh, which, by the way, one of the things that we ought to be doing is getting into God's Word on our own and letting God speak to us and learning it, not depending on me or somebody else or your connect group leader or whoever to lead you to God's Word. We need to be doing that on our own. We need to be feeding ourselves. And so, um, so I hope that you will do that. But dive into those two passages, and in those passages, there's a list of of roughly 20 character qualities of those who serve in positions of spiritual leadership. Now, the most important thing you can do is dive in on your own and study that on your own. But if you would like an additional resource to help with that, let me suggest something that we use as a church. This is what we go through with every deacon and elder candidate that we talk about moving into one of those positions. It's a book called Measure of a Man by Gene Getz, and it outlines these 20 character qualities. So basically, it's based on those two passages that I just gave you. Um, But again, hear me on this. Don't just rely on what somebody else has to say about them. Get into the Word on your own. That's the most important thing. You can do. But here's the point. Here's the the first. I really have two main ideas I want to share with you today. The first one is this. Based on those passages that we don't have time to dive into uh, in depth this morning. But here's the first thing. That godly character is the number one thing you should look for in your spiritual leaders. That's more important than anything else. It's more important than giftedness. It's more important than personality. It's more important than their ability to get things done. Godly character is the number one thing. Out of that list of 20 qualities that has gone through uh, in Measure of a Man that comes from those Bible passages that I gave you a moment ago, do you know that there is one of them that has to do with a specific ability? And that is that it says an elder must be able to teach. Every single one of the rest of the qualities aren't an ability that you have. They are character qualities. They're what God does to, to bring spiritual maturity into the life. And so 19 to 1, I say it's pretty clear that God is much more concerned about the, the, the character 
of those in positions of leadership than he is about their abilities or what they're able to accomplish. We live in a society that values accomplishments and abilities above character. I mean, if you don't believe me, just look around at people who have been allowed to stay in positions of authority in spite of character issues. How do you explain these stories that come out about top-level executives and you find out that they've been abusing their power or maybe they've been making advances toward women or whatever it may be, and this has been happening over and over again, and, and, and nothing ever Nothing ever happens to them. They don't get removed from their position. Now, recently, thankfully, some, some of that has, has begun to change. But how is it that for years and even decades, that's been able to, to continue to happen? The only answer I can give is that these people are good at what they do. And somebody values the product that they are able to produce, and so they turn a blind eye and turn away from that. Um, same thing is true in the, the, the world of sports. Those of you that know me know I love sports and of all different kinds. But one of the things that really, really bothers me is the fact that if you are a gifted athlete, then you can get away with things that nobody else can. You know, if you can sack the quarterback or you can score touchdowns, then, well, maybe we'll give you another chance. You know, you, you have a history of domestic abuse, you have a history of, of drug abuse, you have a history of just basically being an all-around jerk. Well, we'll turn a blind eye if you're good at what you do. If you can help our team win, that's what's more important than anything else. And, and that's the world that we live in, guys. The world that we live in says that we value the, the product that can be put out above character. Now, here's the really sad part. Sometimes that mentality can bleed over into the world of Christian ministry as well. And this is what, what really, really troubles me. Uh, several months ago, I guess it was back in August of 2020, there was a very prominent and very well-respected, somebody that I highly respected and looked up to, a Christian leader who died. And after his death, it came out that, that he had had several inappropriate relationships with women, had been treating them in, in, in a very... Uh, inappropriate way, been involved in things. Uh, here's the part that's most troubling about that. In 2017, a complaint was filed against him by a woman who was mistreated, and nothing was done. And the, the, the board has since come out with an open letter, and they've since essentially come out and apologized and said, we handled this the wrong way. But the board of directors, this is what they said. They said when that, that um, accusation was made against them, they did not conduct any type of formal investigation because their mentality was, well, he could never do that. He would never do that. And they were looking at what he was doing, and God was using him. And he was being effective in the area of apologetics and, and even evangelism. And, you know, he was doing some good things for the kingdom. And so the mindset was, because he's doing good things for the kingdom, Surely, we don't have to worry about these other things. They must not be true. And I'm here to tell you today, that is a very dangerous mindset to have. If we, even in the area of ministry, or maybe I should say especially in the area of ministry, if we begin to look more at the product or more at the outcome than we do at the character of the individual leading, that's a significant problem. It's a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. And so um, we're reminded that... Um, that character is first and foremost what we ought to look to. Now, we said last week that we should submit to the authority of spiritual leaders. That's why I couldn't wait to come back to this week. Because I want to make it incredibly clear that 
Yes, that's true. That is a biblical teaching. Submit to the, to the authority of your spiritual leaders. But under no circumstance should anyone ever be put in a position where they're following someone who is acting in an abusive way, acting in a way that is out of line with what Scripture teaches. Please, please hear me on that. You do not submit to the authority of somebody who is not demonstrating godly character and is not, not living out um, that gospel message. Now, again... Of course, we're never going to be perfect, but what we're talking about here is at least some type of consistent pattern. And if there is an issue, and here's the other thing where it gets really dangerous. If, if there is ever a, position, a person in a position of authority, and let's just, we're talking about Christian leaders today, and they, they are questioned about anything, and if, if they get very defensive or even just shut that down completely, and the, the environment that's created is one of, you don't question me, you know, I tell you what to do, you do what I say because I speak on God's behalf. Do not ever question, do not. That is a really, really bad sign. Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody should have people in their lives that are asking them the difficult questions. Maybe an example of that, we, um, twice a month our elders get together and, and, and we pray together, but part of what we do is an accountability and we ask each other some questions and and, and we encourage the difficult questions. This past week, I was sharing about something. I said, here's something where, where I've messed up. And this is what, what God has shown me. And, and um, somebody asked me this. They said, okay, uh, let me ask you a difficult question. And then he used this phrase. He said, I hope I'm not crossing the line here. And I stopped him. Before he asked the question, I said, wait a minute. There is no line. Okay, there is no line. When it comes to us... Holding each other accountable. There should be nothing that is off limits. And we all desperately need people in our lives that, that can ask the difficult questions and can, can dig into whatever needs to be gotten into. It, it is a problem if you ever see somebody who's like, oh, you can't talk to me that way or you can't ask me that. I'm telling you, that's dangerous territory to be in. I, I go back to Numbers 12, uh, verse 3, describes Moses, of all people, as being the most humble man on the face of the earth. This is somebody that we would obviously, you know, say this is, this is a great godly man. Now, he had his faults too. We know that through scripture. But he was a humble man. Even though he led the people out of bondage and God did all these miracles through Moses, he was a humble man. And I believe that that is one of the most important characteristics we should look for in our spiritual leaders is somebody who has the humility to be questioned or to acknowledge, hey, I'm not above everyone else. I'm not better than anyone else. And certainly, who takes 1 Corinthians 10, 12 seriously. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You never get to a place where you're above temptation or where you, you are uh, above being questioned in any way. All right, so that's number one is look at godly character. But now the second thing I want to do, I want to spend a little bit of time in this passage in 2 Timothy 4 because this is going to give us one broad category. We could talk about a lot of specifics, but I'm going to do it in one broad category of what kinds of things should a spiritual leader be doing. Okay, so we talked about who they should be, that their character is more important than anything else, but what should they do? Let's pick it up, 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 1. It says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in the kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside the myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. You know, as, as Paul is writing to Timothy, encouraging him and saying, let me remind you what you need to be focused on as a spiritual leader Here's the thing that stands out to me, and by the way, please, please understand too, this, this is one place in Scripture. We could go to a whole lot of different places. This is not in, intended in any way, means to be an exhausted list of what to look for, but sometimes you just got to be focused, and we're going to focus on this one thing that is really important. Here's what he's saying and, and what we should look for. A good spiritual leader should point you to God's Word. This is so important. A good spiritual leader should always not not be pointing toward themselves or their own opinions, should be pointing toward God's word. He tells him to preach the word, and then he tells him to be prepared, in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage. Uh, I mean, this is so, so very important. I'm going to tell you right now, there are, are spiritual leaders who stand up every week to speak and talk for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes sometimes, and in some cases, rarely, if even ever, open God's Word and read from God's Word. It's, you know, ideas or thoughts or, uh, you know, this topic that is being addressed. Guys, let me tell you, make sure that the spiritual leaders that, that you look up to are pointing you directly toward the Word of God. Here's why that's so important, because as we said last week, you're to submit to the authority of your spiritual leaders. That means that you are granting them influence in your life. Okay? The people that, that, that are your spiritual leaders have a level of influence in your life. So you need to make absolutely sure that that influence is being grounded in the Word of God. That that's not their own ideas or own intentions, but this is truly based on what God says. And this is not just for preachers, by the way. It is for preachers. And, and that's something if, if, if ever we are not opening God's Word and really getting into God's Word together, then... Somebody needs to have a conversation with me about that. But I'm going to tell you that in other people. I hope that you have other preachers that you listen to and people that, you know, they're great, great Bible teachers out there. Just make sure that they're pointing you toward Scripture. But it's not just for, for preachers. This is any spiritual leader because they're going to give advice. They're going to, you know, be people that you bounce things off of. Maybe you go to for counsel, for advice. Uh, you, what you ought to be hearing on a regular basis is, well, this is what Scripture says. Based on this Scripture, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, Not just based on my own ideas or my own thoughts, but based on the best of my understanding of God's Word. Now, clearly, sometimes there are, not, there are issues that aren't just black and white. right? You can't always just open the Bible and say, here's the verse that answers your question. Or your, but there ought to at least be a biblical foundation. You know, If I can't answer it directly, here's the Scripture that is guiding my thought process along these lines and super important that, that we have that and then not only that not only pointing to scripture but it says here in verse 2 to be prepared in season and out of season and then it says at the end of verse 2 to teach with great patience and careful instruction in other words it's not just opening the bible but it's those who accurately present what scripture has to say this preparation, this careful instruction, uh, make sure that the people that you're granting influence to are those that are really, truly um, 
doing their best to study and accurately understand. And the same thing is true, by the way, for you and your areas of spiritual leadership. I mentioned a moment ago, a great example of that is parenting. You have the chance to lead your kids spiritually. Make sure that you're putting scripture into the minds of your kids. Again, that, that's another sermon. I'm not going to tell you just you know, lecture them every time something comes up about the Bible. And this, but let, let them know that this is a foundation. And um, this is how we make decisions and those kinds of things. So um, what happens then when we do open Scripture together? It says that he is to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. Now, it's interesting to me that two of the three are not pleasant. I don't know about you, but being corrected and rebuked is not particularly pleasant to me. Being encouraged is. I like the encouragement. And sometimes we tend to go to one side or the other. Isn't this true? Think about the uh, uh, spiritual leaders a lot of times will lean one direction or the other. Either it's mostly about correct and rebuke. You know, they're the kind of people just in your face, this is what you're doing wrong, and it's all about, you know, make this change, make this change, here's where you're messing up, and there's really not a lot of encouragement that comes along with it. Or you can go to the other extreme, and it's all encouragement, and it's all you're good, life's good, everything's good, but there's really no dealing with sin there's no dealing with you know these are the things that that need to be addressed in your life guys both of those are important absolutely important and if you don't have um, those that are that are guiding you that are doing both if you don't have people stepping on your toes from time to time and saying some difficult things to you then that's not good but I'm gonna tell you if that's all you ever hear (laughs) that's not good either You need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel, that that God is for us, that God sent his son Jesus to die for us, that God extends grace, that God is a God of forgiveness. Those encouraging messages need to be given, but both messages need to be given together, and they need to be given in a biblical way. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we can correct or rebuke in areas that the Bible doesn't really correct or rebuke. Do you follow me? Now, I was thinking back through this, this kind of through, through the, the years and even where we are today. This isn't so much a deal anymore, but, but it used to be a big deal. A lot of the big teaching was you can't dance. Can't play cards. You know, there are certain things. You have to be in church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And if you're not, then you are somehow subpar in your relationship with God. That's my opinion, not a biblical teaching. I, I get where you can take certain principles and things. I understand that. But, but that, that could be presented. And I'm thinking, about what does that look like for us today? This is a question I was just asking some people. What do you think about this? And I'd be curious to hear even afterwards, what are your thoughts? What are some things that, that are, are preached as if this is God himself saying, but the, but the Bible doesn't really say that? Maybe it's something like you can never listen to secular music. Or maybe it's you can never have a drink of alcohol. Now, both of those, I get where we would come from because there's a lot of secular music that is not God-honoring in any way. And we live in a culture where alcohol abuse is such a problem that, in my opinion, there's a lot of wisdom in just saying I'm going to avoid that entirely. However, does the Bible come out and specifically address those and say this is a, an absolute hard and fast rule that you must follow? No, it doesn't. Now, what about the flip side of that? What about encouragement? Sometimes we want to offer encouragement in the name of God that isn't really biblical either. And sometimes we just want to say, you know, we're just, you know, we're, we're for you and we're, uh, we're, we're with you and, and, and all these kinds of things. Um, 
in areas that the Bible doesn't, doesn't go there. You know, one of those, as I was thinking about that, the, the first one that is the most in-our-face example of that is issues around sexual identity. And, uh, you know, whether that be gender-related issues, whether that be issues of uh, homosexuality, other things like that. that. That is a really, really big one in our culture today. And the question we need to ask is not, what does everybody else in the culture say? The question is, what does the Word of God say? And if we are encouraging in a way that is contrary to what Scripture says, there's a problem. Certainly the culture does. I don't know if you guys um, are aware of this. I just recently came out this week that Kellogg's, which you know, makes uh, a lot of children's oriented cereals, things like Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, Raisin Bran, uh, all of which I like. But they've, they've come out with this campaign called, uh, no Matter, or it's called uh, Boxes Are For Cereal, Not For People. And here's, here's the quote. This is, this is the quote. No matter who you are or who you love or what pronouns you use, you're too awesome to fit in a box. That's the message. Um, and, and they're taking, you know, sending donations to GLAD with, for, and I quote again here, accelerating acceptance and advancing equality for the LGBT plus community. Uh, another example, uh, the, the cartoon, children's cartoon Rugrats is coming back out. Again, they're, they're reproducing that. Uh, the mom of the two key characters is a single lesbian woman now. Blue's Clues, which our kids watch when they're little, has a video they put out recently. Um, it is narrated by a drag performer, and it, it, it has families with two moms, two dads, uh, trans-identified members, all this in a, in a children's uh, video. The message is being sent. Yesterday, the San Francisco Giants were the first Major League Baseball team to wear pride uniforms in a Major League Baseball game. I'm just I'm, I'm making this point that it is out there everywhere. And look, I understand the, uh, the temptation to say, well, this is so strong in our culture. We're just going to kind of go along with this and we're going to be what's labeled as affirming in this. I'm going to tell you what, we, guys, we cannot encourage in ways that are contrary to Scripture. And the bottom line is this, Scripture is pretty clear. God assigns gender at birth, and the Scripture is clear that, that God does not endorse or, or allow or approve of homosexual behavior. That's just, that's Bible. And so we have to uh, make those difficult uh, times where we might be going counterculture, we might be saying things that, uh, that people don't want to hear. And by the way, the way we say it, I think, is really important, too. And that's a message for a whole other day. I've actually preached this one before. Um, anybody, I don't care who you are, what your sexual identity or orientation is or anything else, you are welcome in this church. And we want people here. We're going we're gonna to talk about the love of God. We're going to extend grace. But we're not going to compromise the truth of what God says. And you can do both. You can hold to the standards of God's word and still be loving toward people and that's the call that we have so um, but it's not easy and maybe that's why and I, 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 time's running out I need to wrap it up here but maybe that's why in verse 5 it says this so he's talking about to Timothy about you know, maintaining a biblical standard pointing people toward God's word when you correct rebuke and encourage all of that needs to come from the word but then verse 5 it says keep your head in all situations <laughs> but I'm going to tell you it'd be easy to lose your mind and lose your head in the situation that we find ourselves in and then it says endure hardship do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. That endure hardship 
Sometimes it's not easy when you take a stand for, for what God's word says, and there will be some opposition to that. And we need to expect that and be prepared for that. But I have to tell you at the same time, when it comes to enduring hardship, I don't know what it's like to try to pasture a flock from a jail cell. Paul did. Others in our world today do. I, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to have my property confiscated. I don't know what it's like to have my family threatened or, or even injured or martyred because I'm a pastor. Um, and I hope I never do. But no matter what comes, the calling that we have is to be true to what God says. Endure hardship. Even when it's difficult, we have to be faithful to what God says. So look for those people in your life that demonstrate godly character. Not that are perfect, but demonstrate godly character. And look for those people that can point you to the word of God and are willing to take a stand for what God says even when it's not popular. Let's pray. Father, we, we need your help and we need your strength in the world that we live in. Um, really, we need just a spirit of repentance. Father, in the meantime, as we pray for that and as we ask for you to work, we pray that you would give us endurance and give us the ability to stand firm. Um, Lord, I pray that every single person listening to this message, that, that all of us, we know we're not going to do it perfectly, but all of us would be a model of godly character and that we would be those who turn toward your word and let that be um, the place that we stand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.